right, thanks again for listening to Bleach Mouth Postscript. This is part two of my two-part conversation with Jen Kidd. If you've not listened to part one, go back, start there, come back here. We'll see you on the other side. Thanks. So it has to be something really um, super impressive for me to go. I am going to uh, the Maryland Death Metal Fest in the spring. <laughs> I'm actually going to do that because those are bands that I want that I haven't gotten to see in my youth that are pretty formative. Some of those bands. I feel like I've seen. I feel like I've seen so many. I mean, I just have. Like it was my job for a long time, and I've seen so many shows since you know, 1994. Um, I just don't know how to be dazzled anymore. You know what I mean? So I just, it's hard, especially when you've seen so many, especially when you've seen so many good bands. I mean, yeah. Like I saw Paul at Radio City Music Hall and the National at the Lime Spider. Like it just isn't, there are just certain things that I'm not going to, I don't know. But I do love the energy that a lot of the younger bands bring and that people are, you know, it's great. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, Liam's 18 and has good taste in music. Um, and he's turned me on to some stuff too. And I really feel like I can pass the torch and be like, oh, what's yeah. cool? <laughs> you know, like it's, I don't, yeah. All these old, old duds that begrudge young people for having their own taste and liking their own thing no are way. just fucking lame. It, you know, pisses me off so bad and it's always every generation everyone is like oh the generation but oh like they don't know what they're talking about they don't know how and it's like these kids man i have so much respect for teenagers right now because they have lived through some shit and they are creative geniuses and they are doing things that other generations didn't know how because we didn't have the technology we didn't have the connection like none of it like i can't wait to see what these what they do yeah. you know and i think yeah. they're doing it with music too and i love it in video holy shit like the art these kids are making like visually is no they're they're great the kids are all right you know oh no you did not just do that <laughs> <laughs> did now you now i would like to talk about the who <laughs> sure go for it go for it i mean because i got i got a ton of hot takes about the who that would get me uh in, in in modern parlance get me canceled by a lot of old people <laughs> i have a ton of hot takes about the who <laughs> yeah they're a very controversial well people don't realize that they're very controversial um i really like their early stuff i love the quadrophenia soundtrack um i went and saw them a couple years ago at blossom when they had like the symphony with them mm-hmm. good uh but yeah I've i like always... them very very much but i also really understand people don't well it's not that i don't love them or that i don't respect them because they clearly influence a lot of bands that i do enjoy mm-hmm. and um but i just some of the accolades i'm just like that's just it's out of control for me in light of you know in relation to a lot of their peers who i think are just superior bands who do you think is the best out of that like english invasion yeah are you like a stone it was always like the stones or the well news. like but there's so many others there's I, like- I i do i do have a definitive answer but there's a lot of qualifiers um i'm always going to go for the stones because song for song mm-hmm. there's no band i like as much as them among that group yeah but 
my favorite vocalist from that group of bands is Eric Burden. Like the animals, oh, yeah, the animals are just the animals are my second favorite band of that group. But then I can talk to you about the zombies all fucking day and night. I love the zombies. I could listen to Colin Bloomstone sing me to sleep. Like what an angel. I mean, and I they're saw just... them at Kent stage and even in their older age, still the voice of an angel, just so tender and so beautiful.
the music that they play doesn't it ages with them gracefully and well odyssey and oracle is just as cool now as it was then yeah it's a perfect album beginning to i mean just perfect it's it's a per it has a permanent spot in my road case for when i dj i take that record with me all the time perfect album it's a great record there's so many you know i'm a big kinks fan like i think they're probably my favorite the kinks are the kinks are the kinks are pretty amazing Cause he gets up in the morning And he goes to work at nine And he comes back home at 5.30 Gets the same train every time Cause his world is built on punctuality It never fails And he's all so good And he's all so fine And he's all so healthy In his body and his mind Well-respected man about town Doing the best thing so conservatively And his mother goes to meetings While his father pulls a maid And she stirs the tea with counsellors While discussing foreign trade And she passes looks as well as bills At every suave young man And she's all so good And he's all so fine And he's all so healthy In his body and his mind He's a well-respected man about town pretty good but you know um but yeah i always just go for the stones i mean with the beatles i'm a songster like you always got to talk about one without you always have to talk about one if you're talking about the other with the beatles i'm a songster i'm pretty much like i like a lot of songs but not albums the only album i'm that way with everything <clears throat> though that's why I like talking about full albums there's very few that i can like tell you i like this song and this song i'm terrible with album names i'm terrible with track titles Mm-hmm. But I know I love this song and I love yeah. this song. And this song made me feel that. That's how I am. Like I've well, never been a person who's like, oh, this album and then this album. Like I'm just, I'm not that person. My brain is like filled with too much other junk. 
to yeah. like remember. <laughs> like I have too many other like nonsense things taking up space in my brain to know like, oh, this album came out in this year and was, I'm just not that person. Um, I'm not, I'm not British. Like that's, yeah. I know some of our friends have accused me of being that way, but there's a lot of stuff. I just, I don't know. I have so many blind spots with, with music and a lot of it's dates and records, Mm -hmm. record names and stuff, you know? Um, I mean, somebody would, if somebody asked me, asked me any question about like the white album, since I was just talking about the Beatles, I'm like, I don't know a single song on the white album. I, I might. I'm sure I do, but I don't know what they are. Like I, that's could, a, I couldn't song. tell you. I couldn't tell you what songs are on the white album. I can the only the only record I can tell you, the only two records I can tell you certain songs that are on mm-hmm. are Let It Be and Abbey Road. Because I actually like Abbey Road front to back. I actually mm-hmm. like that record. The rest of the stuff, it's it's just songs. They're all singles to me, you know, and that's in for years that's how it was presented to you and I because we're talking about classic rock radio right essentially well and even like in the 60s here's you know side a side b like I think about Paul Revere and the like just like me like perfect song perfect perfect song it's just like me say to you help me do help me true what I'd like for you to say As you come home to me each day How you'll be my girl That's what I want Just you, sweet girl Not a front It's just like me I feel so good And I fall so much In love with you like there just weren't full yeah were released as singles where now they're really not you know no. well um, we listen anyways 
I spent a lot of, part of the reason why I do know anything though, is because I spent a lot of time in high school, sort of like living with my records, you know, because it wasn't doing much else, you know, until I started getting in trouble later on. But I mean, early high school, I was just living with the records. So I, that filled my brain when I should have been like, you know, studying calculus or something. So um, if I knew anything about any of that, that's why. How much is your music background coming into play so far at the nightlight? I know that you, I know that you guys have had a movie or two that were particularly the Velvet Underground film. You guys showcased Fantastic. that. I one. love music documentaries. Like that's my, um, Gabe and I, during the pandemic, every week we'd watch a rock talk as we call it. Yeah. We would just choose a music documentary, like just love it. Um, I wouldn't say it's coming into play a lot. I really like film um, from like a visual perspective. And I think about things like soundtrack and costume and set design, like that's my thing with films and with movies is like the set design, the cinematography, the costumes, the soundtracks, like that's my wheelhouse, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, I think about films I've seen and like, I listened to The Phantom Thread. Did you ever see that film? Mm-mm. Thomas Anderson but Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead did the soundtrack and it's a classical score and it is huge just I love classical so it's a you know I listen to it all the time so I think a lot about like a lot of my favorite memories with film involve music and like specific scenes or moments where like whoa like that was the perfect song for that perfect moment you know yeah um the Velvet Underground documentary by Todd Haynes have you seen it yet I've not, I'm going to, I want to see it really bad because that's a band I, that, Yeah, it is. It is so well done in a way where it is visually. So it's like a two hour documentary and he um, basically fit two and a half hours of footage into that. And it's not live performances. It's not, it's not like Dave Grohl being like, oh, this band really influenced me. And here's why it is straight up like 1960s, Andy Warhol footage from like the place and the time as much as it was about the band you know so they were talking about the velvet underground but also just the entire you felt like you were in a time and a place and it literally like this zoom call right now is a split screen through most of the film so they'd have like the andy warhol test shots where it's just lou reed's face right there and then all these other things going on it just it was visually stunning which is important that which is important that he did it that way because they very much more than most bands you could imagine were very much a time and place band. I mean, well, and that's what, you know, the generic, not generic, but the thing to say is like, who was that quote from? I forget who it was from, but they're like the band who influenced your favorite band. Like, yeah, influenced everybody, but this wasn't, it wasn't uh, about that. It was about them specifically. And it was about them and the place and, it was fantastic. Like Todd Haynes is a great, it just was so good. Who loves the sun? Who cares that it makes plants grow? Who cares what it does since you broke my heart? Who loves the wind?
cares that it is shining? Who cares what it does since you broke my heart? Who loves the sun? Who loves the sun? Not everyone. Who loves the music documentary is summer of soul have you seen it uh no you need to see it <laughs> and it's actually on hulu Hulu. it's in my queue that's why i winced because you, i haven't be watched it it is fantastic i mean when do you get to see nina simone perform mississippi goddamn live i mean it just the way Questlove put it out and it you know, was this, this cultural music festival in the Bronx. Um, I think it was in the Bronx in 1969. It was around the same time as Woodstock and nobody yeah. heard about it, which, which is a shame. Cause I know it, it may also be for the best because that way it couldn't have been uh, exploited, you know? Right. Um, I mean, the, I, I, you look at the lineup of musicians like Sly and the Family Stone, BB King played on it. It'd be all Nina Simone, all these people. And it's just like, yeah, it's kind of surprising that nobody did, you know, but. But also good. I'm glad they had that, you know, I don't yeah. know, but it, um, I think that's the best music documentary I've ever seen. Okay. I'll have to watch it. I think really there's just, the, fantastic. I, I think the the, on it or, and mm. I love the staple singers. Mm-hmm. Love them.
I think the reason I haven't watched it yet is because I kind of almost um, I need the house to myself. Is it Jarvis? Jarvis. Is it Jarvis? Jarvis? Yeah, I can see Jarvis behind the computer. Hang on. Hey, old man. He's joining the conversation. It's okay. I haven't seen him in a while. Not in person. Um, well, he's five hundred years old. So. Yeah. But I mean, I kind of, I kind of feel like I need the house to myself to watch that and really enjoy it because there are always distractions and and it's, um, you know, the, the kids like music, but they're at the age where, you know, they're easily distracted. They'll move on to the next thing. And then I won't be able to take it in the way I want to. I, you know? yeah. So you watched think, the Phil Lynette documentary the other night. The what? Uh, Phil Lynette from the <gasps> Oh, it came out. It's called a song for while I'm away. Yeah, I've heard that's good too. My movie list is getting longer by the second year of this conversation. There's a three that I would recommend right now. Summer of Soul being the number one best music documentary of all time, in my opinion. Yeah. So, but that's the thing, right? So I love music documentaries. It's not all we're going to show at the theater. I'm not in charge of. Well, no, it does that, but it does. And I know that. Because yeah. I know you you like film for a lot of different reasons, but I was I was just struck. I'm like, of course the of course the Velvet Underground one yeah. is there. Of course, you know it made sense to me. You know, not that it wouldn't have before, but it was more likely. They tried to get Summer of Soul, and there was a conflict. We couldn't do it, oh, so I did okay. try to get that one. Yeah, there you go. Okay, but it um yeah. There also we started a late night series. I don't know if you saw that with like uh-uh. cult films. Oh. We're doing dial code Santa Claus for Christmas. Are you familiar? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Well, let me you. It is. <laughs> it is a 1989 French film about a young boy who is home alone and Santa Claus comes down the chimney and is like an evil pervert. And like the boy is like par- father, his like grandparents and a toy company. So he like is really into Rambo and has all these weapons around the house, but it was made before home alone. And it essentially is home alone before there was a home alone. He's nine years old. His name is Thomas. He's a little genius. He believes in father Christmas. His two favorite pastimes Computers and superheroes. December 24th, midnight. Hidden under the dining room table, Thomas waits for Father Christmas. But what he does not know is that he is about to experience the most frightening night in his entire life. version we have to show late at night like I think the dog dies like it's it's not for care uh but (laughs) clearly it's not for kids we're gonna do like repo man like I'm excited to like do stuff like that yeah I I, I love porn I mean I'm really snooty about film too I appreciate you know I am too and I have been in the past I like genre films a lot but I think as time has gone on particularly over the past two years like I'm like, as long as I'm entertained by it some way, 
as long as it delivers on the promise of what it says it's what it sets out to do i'm okay with it mm-hmm. you know like i'm not going to be like super critical of it you know but i mean there are some that are just really 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 awful i did my halloween thing where i watched a bunch of movies yeah. and i saw this one you watch uh, any new ones or were they all do you watch the same things often now don't you no the if i looked at my list for the past three years and there's a lot of variety there more than i okay. thought way more than i thought i think the reason midway through it this year i thought i was watching a bunch of old stuff that i've seen because my intent was to watch a lot of foreign films and i mm-hmm. didn't accomplish that Instead, what I was watching was just this off the beaten path weirdo stuff. And there were a couple older ones that, you know, a guy like me, you'd expect that I had seen them. And I actually hadn't. Like, I hadn't seen the Gates of Hell trilogy by Fulci. I hadn't seen City of the Living Dead. I hadn't seen House by the Cemetery or The Beyond. Mm -hmm. But I watched them, you know. Um, I mean, the last night of on Halloween night, I did watch all my old favorites, of course. But I, I watched um, this movie called Straight Edge Kager, and it's it's a horror <laughs> film. It sounds it sounds terrifying. I've got to be honest. It sounds like the worst. I was I was angry that I just like this is just such a waste of my time. There are certain things I just won't even give a chance to because it I wasn't even funny in a. It wasn't even entertaining in a, oh my god this is so bad it's good way. Or even yeah, it was just horrible. And I'm like, how, how I know I have people in the film industry and I know how hard it is for films to get made. And I'm like, who allowed this to happen? Uh Like this, it was so bad. It was so bad. But then again, the problem now is there are so many different outlets for content, you know, so there's, with all the streaming services, YouTube, there's like a million different platforms instead of like, this is going to go to the theater. There's this like, Oh, this is going to go to. It's going to go. Uh, yeah. Tubi or whatever, which is fine. Cause yeah. I love Tubi. Tubi's fantastic. There are so many horrible films on Tubi that I've watched. Um, yeah. I watched, uh, I watched this one called the amusement park. It's a George Romero film. And it was an unfinished movie and kind of lost. And that was, that was good. It wasn't good. I mean, it was. Yeah. But it was good. It was entertaining. And um, I think the one that entertained me the most, I'm actually looking at my list here real quick because the name's escaping me right now. Um, There was a Kung Fu guy in it. And oh, Devil's Express. And it's about this guy who's uh he's a cop and he's definitely of made in 76. So he's very much the soul brother stereotype, but he's a cop and also a kung fu master. Okay. So it starts off like a black exploitation type film, but he goes to uh China to meet with his master and get um another you know, belt ranking or a honorific or whatever it is. And the guy who goes with him gets into this cave where he unleashes this 40,000 year old demon. And so it's up to this guy 
to chase the demon back to New York and fight him in the subways in New York City, 1970s. And it is fantastic. It's called The Devil's Hand? It's called The Devil's Express. The Devil's Express. Okay. Yep. And uh, his name is escaping me now. I want to make sure I get it absolutely correct because the actor's name makes the whole thing. It'll make you want to see it more than anything. And his name is Warhawk Tanzania. Jesus. That's amazing. Yeah. Warhawk Tanzania. It, it's ridiculous. It, but it's like, but again, you know, years ago, I would have turned my nose up at something like that, but Warhawk Tanzania, Kung Fu and Demons. Okay. I'm in. Yeah. I'm sold. And to take a ride on the Devil's Express. What happens when 2,000 years of evil strike a city? See Warhawk Tanzania match blows with the devil and those the devil has possessed. Some deformed monster. Take a ride on the Devil's Express. It may be your last stop. Rated R. What's your favorite horror movie soundtrack or soundscape? Like what's your, um, I know it's Pat to say this because he's become iconic, not just for his films, but for his music as well. John Carpenter. Yeah. for sure. Carpenter really, he, he just, um, Bernard Herrmann, not just because of what he did with psycho, but all the other Mm -hmm. movies he's ever done horror and otherwise he's a pretty good composer. Um, and I had a long discussion on one of the earlier episodes with Jeff Jingle because he he works in film uh, oh, yeah. about about how great uh, John Williams actually is. Oh yeah, I mean, but um, yeah, Carpenter definitely because mm-hmm. e- even just it's so it's so sparse most of the time and just very simple and very mm-hmm. basic. And you know, people look to Halloween, but. I'd venture to say that the soundtrack he did for escape from New York is just as good or the thing. And it's, he knows exactly how to set the mood for his movies and he doesn't let it overpower everything. And he just lets the, that's the key. That's the key with uh, soundtracks and composing is how do you, how do you enhance, but not, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, if Lovecraft any, country. what's that? Did you watch Lovecraft country? I have not watched it yet because I don't have HBO Max. Oh, well, get somebody's account. Get somebody's <laughs> account. You don't have to buy it yourself. Get somebody's account. HBO has nothing. Um, you need to watch it. But I was thinking about there's just so many, there's so many powerful scenes in that that involve music. You know, there's one with a, just a super important scene and Gil Scott Heron's Whitey on the Moon is playing and just the impact that the right song at the right time can like actually just what that can give. A rat done bit my sister Nell with Whitey on the moon. Her face and arms began to swell and Whitey's on the moon. I can't pay no doctor bills, but Whitey's on the moon. Ten years from now, I'll be paying still while Whitey's on the moon. You know, the man just up my rent last night, cause Whitey's on the moon. No hot water, no toilets, no lights, but Whitey's on the moon. I wonder why he's up in me, cause Whitey's on the moon. Well, I was already giving him 50 a week and now Whitey's on the moon. 
taxes taking my whole damn check. The junkies make me a nervous wreck. The price of food is going up. And as if all that crap wasn't enough, a rat done bit my sister Nell with Whitey on the moon. Her face and arms began to swell and Whitey's on the moon. Was all that money I made last year for Whitey on the moon? How come I ain't got no money here? Mm, Whitey's on the moon. You know, I just about had my fill of Whitey on the moon. I think I'll send these doctor bills, air mail special. To Whitey on the moon. There are some there are some people out there that are making movies that think that, and this isn't the case with that because I haven't seen that, but one problem I've been seeing with a lot of filmmakers that consider themselves auteurs of some kind is they pick a song and they feel like, well, that'll make this moment poignant. It's like, well, no, if the writing isn't there, your mm-hmm. son, I don't give a fuck what song you put there. Right. You know, it's just like, you can do a slow-mo visual or have like, you know, a blue tinted lens and that fucking Dylan song all you want. It doesn't matter. It's just, and, and not Dylan. Hot I'm just throwing that like name out Dylan. there. Hot I, fake. I'm not a fan. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just throwing no, that name like out Bob. there. I just. But yeah, I'm just, I'm not a fan of Bob I Dylan. mean, I think, who do you think, what director do you think has used music that was not an original score better than anybody mm. I, one name comes to mind i mean wes anderson for sure him and uh martin scorsese oh martin scorsese yeah wes anderson as like campy as his music ours man his soundtracks are great yeah like they are fantastic rushmore oh yeah i think that's a perfect soundtrack exactly that's the one Mark, I don't remember if Mark Mothersbaugh put that one together, but it had like, you know, four plus two. I mean, it just was, that's it. You know, oh, that's another guy who does great soundtracks because oftentimes you won't even know it. I mean, you would think that there'd right. be like a specific sound to what he does. He kind of does all sorts of stuff. That's you know? the thing, right? That's the key to it is yeah. my favorite. Um, I'm a big, do you know who Max Richter or Johan Johansson are? No, I do not. They are my favorite composers, modern. Uh, Max Richter is alive. Johan Johansson died a couple of years ago. But he, um, did you ever see Arrival? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did yep. the score, Johan Johansson. Okay. So he, just fantastic scoring to films. And uh, both of them write songs that can just make me cry. Um, but there just have been so many like tender moments in movies that like their music is playing. I'm lumping them in together. They're very separate. Yeah, but similar effect it has on me. Like it just has this like, oh, that like violin played that part, and now I'm crying. Like it just water comes out of my eyes. Like I just can't help it. It's just there, you know. Yeah, it becomes a trigger for you, but in a good way. Like in a oh yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 yeah. Um, way. I remember the first time I there was there's one movie that originally did not have a soundtrack at all. Mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite films and then when i heard when they finally scored it it ruined the fucking movie what was it uh the original dracula bella lugosi mm-hmm. the original film no music mm. none except for the the title cards they use this uh 
they used the same music on that title card that they did for Frankenstein. But then when they did the re-release in the late 90s, early 2000s, when they did those box sets of all the universal horror films, oh yes. they had Philip Glass do a score for it. And it's fucking garbage. It's fucking Glass garbage. Like I, yeah, I mean, he, I've, what little bit I, I've heard and what I can recollect was perfectly fine. But I'm like, this is not good. It's almost like he didn't watch the movie when he scored it. Like, <laughs> there was um, an opera. Again, my brain is like on brain drain right now. Yeah. I watched something over the pandemic. I'm going to say it wrong. I watched an opera called Akhenaten. Okay. A K H N A T E N. And it's um, a Philip Glass created opera. Okay. It was just really wonderful. I like opera. When I like to stare at something for three, like it just is so long. And so I like the storytelling in it, but the arrangement of it was really, I didn't know he could do that. Like I know he's done a lot, you know, it just do you was like, a very Do you like musicals generally? No, I don't. Like, really? I don't. And I would like, okay, so I like The Sound of Music and Annie from mm -hmm. my childhood, you know, okay. I can recite them both front and back, but I can't, I don't like any, gosh, you know what I did see, we showed Annette, which was a musical with Adam Driver. Okay. And it was created by the Sparks Brothers and it was, Sparks wrote the music for it. And I guess now that I think about it, all of those songs have been on repeat in my head since I saw it, which is, oh my God. Like it's, <laughs> is, is it, does Adam Driver sing okay? Can he sing? He, yeah, he sings fine. Just, um, he, he can parts, carry a tune? He can carry a tune. Him and Marie Couturiard, but the songs are just earworms. So, we start. It's time to start My time to start They hope that it goes the way It's supposed to go There's fear in them all But they can't let it show They're underprepared But that may be enough The budget is large But still, it's not enough So may we start
but really I don't like musicals at all. Hmm. I'm not a fan either. I think um, I only liked, well, I like the sound of music because um, it's just, those are just good songs. There's just mm-hmm. good music in that, but I don't really necessarily like the film so much. Um, and I did like Sing in the Rain, not because of the music, but more because of the dancing. And I'm mm-hmm. not a dancing, I'm not a dance guy, but watching Gene Kelly kind of as athletic as he was, was pretty, mm-hmm. pretty powerful watching him do stuff because he wasn't elegant the way that, you know, Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers was, or even, you know, Danny Kay. But so that one sticks out, but um, the film version, the original film version of Hedvig and the Angry Inch is probably my favorite. Oh yeah, we did just show that. All my best regards to Neil Patrick Harris, but that original film was just, mm-hmm. that was a pretty stunning film mm-hmm. when I saw it. I was pretty blown away by it, yeah. you know. Um, and to think that, you know, that dude wrote and sang it and directed it and just yeah, like, John Cameron. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. John Cameron Mitchell and the guitar player. What was the name of the band he was in? Was it boys against girls? Oh, the actual nineties. His name was Steven um, Trask. I think I'm going to have to look that up. And oh, I, was he in I, that boys against girls band? No, I think they were on the soundtrack. I, I think they did a song oh, okay. version on the soundtrack. Now I'm thinking about it, but I, I think his, I think the guitar player who played in the film, Stephen Trask, um, helped write a lot of that music. Mm. Yeah, yeah, he composed music and lyrics for the uh, stage musical and the film. Mm. He was a guitar player in the film, and uh, yeah, so that that's a musical I actually enjoy, and I don't know if that necessarily qualifies, but the way, the way they stage all the songs, that kind of qualifies as musical mm. to me. You know, because it would the thing when they were uh, when Hedvig was doing um, her makeup mm-hmm. and they were putting all the wigs and they were trying like that yeah. felt very musical to me. I look back on where 
the strangest things seem suddenly routine. I look up from my vermouth on the rocks, a gift wrapped wake steady on the box of towering velveteen. I put on some makeup, some love and breakup. Those ones, yeah. Um, the only other well, music. And I worked. I like worked on Hamilton when it was in Cleveland, mm-hmm. um, doing wardrobe. So, like, I know the entire soundtrack to that, which is really great. There are a few songs on that that are just perfect. Like, I really understand why people. I didn't like that. <laughs> I don't. I understand like why it. you didn't like it. I understand that. But you know what? He he turned around and did all that music for Moana. Okay, Disney films are essentially musicals. I do like musicals. I just don't. I can't. Uh, I know. 
I I liked Moana. I like uh, the Princess and the Frog. Mm-hmm. It's uh, my daughter, my youngest daughter's current favorite. Whenever mm-hmm. she wants it, she goes, "I want to watch Tiana." Tiana, put on Tiana. So I put on Tiana for. Her. Um, so those musicals I like, I guess you know, um, some I could do without. Like if I ever have to see Frozen again, I'll just. <laughs> it's just so well and I think too like Liam never really got into I think with him we never really got into those sort of things and I was aged out of a lot of things that came out you know yeah like the Lion King oh that being said uh Beyonce's Blackest King have you watched that I have not man fantastic that's on Disney plus I- too right yeah, and it's one of my favorite things that came out. She is, Julie and I went and saw her in Detroit. Yeah. And uh, holy shit, what a performer, Beyonce. But Black is King is fantastic. Visually stunning. The music is, it just is a masterpiece. I love is it. Is it a narrative or is it just like a musical? It's all, it's just one long music video, but it oh, okay. is, I mean, just nobody does it better. I think she is absolutely perfect at what she does it's so good not even doja not even doja cat you don't think doja cat's better nobody can hold a candle i'm kidding no i know but (laughs) i'm not gonna say i'm a stan because i'm in my 40s and i don't know what that means but i i I found out what that meant yesterday but go ahead and finish your statement and i'll tell you like i stand for like i yeah no i know what it means i i know where it came from i know the origin of it but go ahead finish your thought no, total Beyonce. I mean, just that that piece of art right there alone, on top of everything else. She just, yeah, she's incredible. Stan derives its its origins are in the song Stan by Eminem, mm. which is about an obsessed fan. Oh gosh. So if you're a stan for somebody. <sighs> No, I'm not. I'm actually not obsessed with anybody. That's interesting. I didn't know that's where it came from. I was trying to figure out. And it is I, always like. I had no idea. I just knew that people on, you know. Twitter. I mean, I knew what it meant. I knew I knew what it meant. I knew how it was used, but I'm like, yeah. I wonder where it came from. And I was listening to uh, Sound Opinions on the radio the other day. And they said, they mentioned that's where it came from. I'm like, oh, okay. That makes sense then. You know, I was kind of shocked by that. Yeah. Have there been any shows you like, because you've been to a ton of shows, like you've gone all over to go see stuff, which I don't, I hadn't done frequently, but has there been, is there any like great white whale, like any band that you want to see before you stop going entirely to shows or a band that you're not going to be able to get to see now that you wish you had seen? No, because I think like all the bands I wanted to see, were like 60s groups that I didn't want to see. You know, like I went to, when the MC5 had the reunion with the, not, you know, not Rob Tyner singer. Uh, um, That was great. Yeah. You know, I knew I could never see the original who the MC5 are one of my favorites. Like there's just no way I would ever experience that. Right. So I think there's a feeling. Well, I I, I meant with, somebody that has that was performing or had existed within your life that you could have reasonably seen that you wish you'd seen that you're either not going to be able to or that you're still hoping to see no 
That's see, not true. Oasis. I never got to see Oasis. See, I've got one that I could have gone to see, but I really just dropped the ball on it. Hmm. Television. I didn't go to that show. Oh, oh at the Beachland, the last one? Yeah, I didn't go. Yeah, I didn't go. I, was, I think there were a lot of shows from that. the 90s. Like Radiohead played the old Peabody's in the uh-huh. flats. I wish I would have gone to that. Oasis played the old Grog Shop. I wish I would have gone to that. Like there's a lot of things looking back now that I was like, man. So we good? I think so. Yeah. Did I say enough? You said plenty. We've been on for about an hour and 20 minutes. Is <laughs> you talking? <laughs> What's that? Nothing. <laughs> oh, that's not true. I, I, I'm I joking. All right, that's it. That's all I got for you. Uh, I want to thank Jen for coming on and hanging out for a bit. Uh, that one was a long time coming. Jen's an old friend and uh, meant to have her on earlier, but scheduling conflicts uh, being what they were, it was a bit difficult. So, you know, we finally got it done though. But uh, in the meantime, if you want to uh, interact with me on social media, you can do so on Facebook at Bleachmouth Postscript, on Instagram at Larry underscore Bleachmouth, and email bleachmouthps at gmail.com. Uh, you won't find me on Twitter. You won't find any episodes on Spotify, but you can find all the past episodes at uh, bleachmouth.mkultrazine.com and on Apple Podcasts and a few other podcatchers. Uh, January 6th is fast approaching. That will be the one-year anniversary of the podcast. I was hoping to have 50 episodes up by then. It doesn't quite look like that's going to happen, but we have a couple more days. We'll see what we can do. Uh, in the meantime, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll uh, we'll see you later. Bye now. It's what you get, my baby. It's what you get.